0: This is Hearts of Oak podcast. Free speech,
1: religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society. And we seek to promote
0: and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going.
1: And good evening, Hearts of Oak. Thank you so much for joining us once again. And it is an honor to have I think back for the third time, and that's Dr. Robert W. Malone. Dr. Malone, thank you so much for your time once again.
0: Thanks for the chance to be here, Peter, and to share time both with you and with your audience.
1: No, it's an absolute honour to have you on, and lots of things uh, that we could discuss. Uh, I have had a wonderful time, as always, going through your uh, going through your Getter feed. People can find you or W. Malone, md on getter and they can also of course find you on your substack or wmalone md.substack.com and uh, one of the many things i've had fun i think recently uh, you put a guest essay by claire lopez who's been on quite a few times with us on the long history of china's ccp and bio warfare and i would encourage our viewers and uh, to go and have a read of that. I really enjoyed it. Fantastic article, along with many other on your sub stack. Um, but I was wondering, Dr. Malone, do you ever miss the days where you were just uh, simply a physician and without anything else? Do you kind of look back on those days with nostalgia?
0: Well, I was never just a physician. I was just remember, Peter, I was originally a carpenter and a farmhand. Uh, and my wife and I have had small farms really our entire adult life. I think this is uh, number five that we're working on right now, rebuilding, and it's really getting quite nice. And I'm as well, uh, a former pig barn uh, that we've now converted into a studio. So uh, I'm I'm super glad to be able to broadcast uh, from here. Uh, is it is the new life is complicated uh, and it is absolutely no fun um, being attacked uh, and, and defamed almost constantly. And particularly it has been um, demoralizing to be having those attacks now coming at me uh, from people that I thought I was in the foxhole with. But uh, that we'll get into that a little later as to how this is all transpiring. Um, it is, uh, you know, it, it, sitting now, I had my, uh, 63rd birthday the other day and, um, uh, what a gift to, uh, in your later years to be able to contribute to the world in this way and, um, to be able to do meaningful work. I mean, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, self-actualization the ability to do meaningful things and contribute for those of us who aren't florid narcissists or sociopaths is kind of the uh, summative things you know it's not about getting rich or or how many jet planes you have it's it's about uh connecting with other people and helping people at least for me um and so what a gift to be in this position together with my wife and partner and still be together with her uh, despite all of the things that have come at us. And um, so I guess that's, that's, I'm not whining at all. It's, but it is uh, complicated from time to time.
1: What's it been like? I remember when I was over in, I think LA, in June and you were going to be speaking at a, a big rally there and I was uh, fr- annoyed because my flight was a day earlier but you've been all across the country speaking at many of these events challenging the narrative uh, wh- what has what has that been like because it's um, it's quite a, a different angle challenging I guess, the very science, the very medical community, which you've been a part of for many years. So what has that been like traveling across the country at some of those events?
0: Uh, the, uh, to be blunt, the problem with those events is that we're mostly preaching to the choir. Mm. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're the people that come to them, because the censorship has been so uh, constant and um, overwhelming, that that really only the brave and the and the curious that are awake come. I wish that we could reach a broader audience, uh, but what's happened with that? In which um, universally, I mean, I it's embarrassing. I get standing ovations and all this stuff, and I, you know, I just want to say, I I I'm acutely aware of the problems of cult of personality, and I try really hard to um, dissuade uh, the development of that and to keep in mind one of the truths that we've heard all the way through this outbreak and, and the medical freedom effort that is awoken is the idea that uh, we don't want to recapitulate the problems of the past, the leadership uh, failures and failed strategies of the past. And one of the great um, gifts of all of this has been to find a new community of friends. And they're from all over the world, including my f- good friends in Ireland, uh, the UK. I mean, a chance to meet people like yourself and Neil Oliver, uh, and my friends in Italy and my friends in Belgium, Matthias Desmet. Uh, I just published a Substack stack uh, from uh, filmmaker Alan Gruthiers, uh from Belgium who did the Headwind series. Uh, What a gift. And what's been lovely is that for most of us, uh, this has not been an ego trip. We have really stood side by side, and it's resulted in this ideal of decentralized leadership in which um, we're all kind of uh, pulling on the oars together. uh, And no one feels the need to be the uh, the barker in the back, holding the tiller, telling everybody when to pull. And cracking the whip. So that's that's kind of been one of the neat things is it's been very organic. Mm. And I think a lot of docs, good docs, operating in this kind of a decentralized world in which we all recognize we have our own core competencies and we just kind of get along and get the job done. Uh, so um, that's, you know, what's the, the last week um, was a little brutal just to recap. I did five cities in seven days and um, it included two major rallies, one in Florida uh, and then another one uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee, that was the first annual children's health defense meeting, which was sold out. Um, They could have probably doubled the attendance, 1500 people, enormous levels of enthusiasm and, and, um, I, you know, if I could stereotype, a lot of them are older granola heads from the Northeast, which you wouldn't think is a stereotype is, you know, they've generally fallen onto the left. Uh, and you know, the, the odd thing with the Neil Young cohort is that they basically become warmongers. They're all gung ho on Ukraine and, and, uh, they're all, um, you know, supporting the globalist agenda and, and, uh supporting censorship and um, the, the Children's Health Defense cohort is very different, very enthusiastic, very awake, very um, engaged and energized and opening very open to people like uh, Catherine Austin Fitz who spoke there and uh, a stunning presentation from this skinny little woman in glasses that I've never met before but I've always enjoyed her writing. Whitney Webb, what a brilliant investigative journalist. Totally not my stereotype for what I expected. She's a young mother of two uh, who lives in Latin America, and uh, she is an absolute lion.
1: Wow. Well, I will look up those definitely. <laughs> um, you, you touched on censorship. And of course, I think it was back in the beginning of the year, uh, you were removed from Twitter. Uh, you obviously have been using Getter to ve- um, great advantage and great reach your own Substack. stack. Um, but now that, I guess, Musk becomes the chief twit that he's now called himself <laughs> as the leader, uh, having bought the company. I and mean, w- what are your thoughts as, I guess, as as a commentator, as someone who is speaking truth on whichever platform is available, you got removed because of your concerns on, um, on the mRNA. What, what, what are your thoughts as you look on that change uh, with Musk taking over on the sidelines?
0: So just to recap, uh, I was summarily deplatformed without warning mm. with no prior strikes against me except for a series of complaints that mostly came out of Germany that were all sustained. In other words, they were, they were over, they were not, um, considered valid, Hmm. uh, um, up until about two days before the Joe Rogan podcast, at which point suddenly I was, uh, summarily deplatformed from both Twitter and LinkedIn without Mm -hmm. appeal. (laughs) So this raises the question, um, was there some, uh, there was a, certainly a temporal relationship. Uh, whether, was there uh, intelligence that this was about to transpire? Uh, clearly, Google reacted uh, extremely strongly to the uh, Rogan podcast, particularly about my speaking of uh, your fellow European, uh, Matthias Desmetz, mm. Uh, theory about mass formation or mass psychosis and, and Google um, that started trending and Google uh, started manually uh, modifying search results uh, as a consequence. So mm. that whole window was very fascinating. Over time in in sense, so I jumped to getter uh, because there were no alternatives and of course I was familiar with it because occasionally, uh, Mr. Steve Bannon asked me onto his broadcast and he's very involved yeah. in Getter. So Getter was together with Gab and truth social, but primarily Getter was, I saw as, a, as the only safe haven available. Facebook is a hot mess. Yeah. Um, you can't even mention my name on Facebook uh, without getting, um, you know, shadow banned at a minimum. So I mean, my name is toxic uh, at this point. Um, in Silicon Valley at least so uh, I've it's been hard not being able to access Twitter because many of my antagonists my detractors are very active on Twitter defaming me and there's no way that I can defend myself so that's been a little bit frustrating uh, but I just disregard it and carry on what I've seen before and and I had built up about a little north of half a million followers on Twitter at the time I was deplatformed. Mm. Uh, I'm now at 430,000, give or take, uh, on Getter, and I think well over 100,000 on Gab, and about 40,000 on True Social. The Substack uh, direct subscriptions, so these are emails, are yep. about 230 to 240,000. Wow. And on Substack, we routinely reach on a day to day basis between half a million and 750,000 readers. That's opens. Okay. So it's not just subscribers. So I kind of overcome the Twitter thing, but there's no question that Twitter is a public forum that uh, it would be nice to be able to share my message on. And I'm very grateful for those that cross post. But Twitter is also a cesspool. Yeah. Uh tele- telegraph is absolutely a cesspool. Mm. And all of you know, all of the docs basically have, including myself, have had people set up shadow accounts or you would call them fan accounts or whatever, mm. but they they exploit our names and then often try to sell vitamins or other things. Uh and there's just nothing to be done about it. Telegraph won't shut those things down. Uh Peter McQuarrie uh, has been uh, grappling with this just lately with FLCCC. Mm. So that FLCCC site, quote unquote, on Telegraph or Thread, Telegram, is,
1: yeah, Telegram. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Telegram
0: is is false. Mm. It's it's a fraud. Um, so now now we have, and you'll recall that that this was one of uh, Mr. Musk's uh, primary concerns was that Twitter yeah. was just. Uh, Thick, thick as uh, um, fleas on a dog, in yeah. with these bots, and uh, so I've observed that it is—it is, it is just, uh, you know—it seems to mostly much of the quote conversation is uh, around a um, very petty, child schoolyard kind of uh, tit for tat stuff, as opposed to on Getter. I've managed to create in with the Substack in particular. I've, I've, and I had done this with Twitter also. If you mm. carefully, carefully tend your garden, and um, delete the bots when they pop up, you can enable a, a community that interacts with each other, and um, you can learn a lot from it, and they can learn a lot, and it really becomes a good exchange of information. And in, on Getter and uh, through our Substack, we've been able to create that. And it's just been a f- fascinating thing to watch. Now we have Mr. Musk come in. And as I've, uh, you may have noted, i put out a couple of, I think, three now about Twitter and Mr. Musk. One of them was welcoming the acquisition. So I just want to give the positive first. Yeah. Um, but uh, another one, was a deep dive into the perspective that I have that Twitter is not a business. It's a weapon. Hmm. And it is a weapon of, uh, information warfare. And I know this because I have previously supported, uh, federal contractors that, uh, develop both unclassified and classified, uh, tools for these social media sites in which, uh, they extract uh, all kinds of information or able to manipulate all kinds of information. Um, and that includes the um, very emotional, the basic emotional content of your speech on Twitter It includes capabilities to triangulate your geophysical position quite precisely to, uh, um, map your, uh, social relationships, uh, the groups that you interact with, your ability to influence those groups, uh, where you're at in terms of uh, radicalizing or tempering the vocabulary or, or interests of those groups. And I, I just know from personal uh, interactions with my old client, Twitter absolutely was used, it was deployed and field tested during Arab Spring, okay? So the manipulation of crowd behavior during Arab spring was absolutely used as a, a test bed to further advance Twitter capabilities. So there's that. Now we have Mr. Musk stepping in and, and it's important to understand what his stated objectives are as opposed to the kind of the cloud of PR that he's a free speech advocate and he's going to save the world. Uh, And I hope he does. Uh, but I don't think that's completely sincere. What, what he envisions for Twitter and why the foreign capital larger, a lot of it coming from the middle East area that has capitalized this acquisition, uh, a lot of that is, is in terms of the business model. I mean, people don't, these kind of folks don't just drop this kind of money, uh, because of the goodness of their heart and their desire to support free speech. Come on guys, let's get real. Uh, they do it because they think they're going to make more money yeah. or, or they have some political objective and that's probably is, uh, Bezos and, and, uh, the Washington post, for example. Um, but, uh, cause I, I don't think Bezos make any money on the Washington post right now. <laughs> <laughs> their viewership is dropping quite precipitously, but, um, uh, Bezos, uh, I'm sorry, uh, um, Musk's stated vision for uh, Twitter is to leverage their user base. That's why the user base, true user base size was so important
1: Mm.
0: Um, to enable uh, this X platform. And remember, X goes back to PayPal. That was um, his uh, first uh, name for PayPal and uh we have SpaceX, and we have uh um tesla x is is like the high performance uh Mm -hmm. test models they're working on so x is his brand and uh the x application that he's envisioning and he bought the name back from paypal by the way uh and what what he's envisioning i've heard it described as something like wechat is the way it operates in china So this is a uh, one ring to rule them all uh, platform concept uh, in which all of your transactions, your financial transactions, your purchases, um, your social interactions, everything is funneled through what essentially is a social media uh, portal. Um, And so in a sense, this is very much a threat to Amazon if you think about it as a business model. Uh, it is also to some extent a threat to Google. And uh, I think that we need to view uh, this acquisition through the lens of uh, the battles that are going on for the, between the very big boys in the laptop class. These are really the overlords of the laptop class struggling over business models and market share uh, for uh, this uh, new world of a globalist, uh, you know, centralized one world government. We, we need to understand, um, uh, this gentleman is absolutely a globalist. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and, uh, he, he has these projects like Neuralink, sure. uh, and, and of course, uh, right now I'm broadcasting through Starlink commercial. Uh, so I had to do that cause I don't have decent uh, internet here in this part of Virginia. But uh, all of that is going to get fused. Hmm. Uh, Starlink, Neuralink, um, this new uh, X Twitter platform, etc., uh, is is all going to come together in what is really going to be a massive uh, intelligence capability. Whether it's deployed for, uh, let's say, gently intent a defense intelligence, or we could call it uh, information warfare. 21st century unrestricted warfare, which is what we're seeing, or whether it's weaponized for commercial purposes, but that's what it is. Um, so, uh, don't be naive here, my friends. Uh, this, they, you know, I think it was it George Carlin said, uh, "It's a, it's a big party and you're not invited." Uh, um, so. Uh, I think I think it's important to to recognize uh, what Musk is and uh, what's really at play here, and don't get distracted by the propaganda and the PR that's being pushed out uh, and the marketing efforts around this and positioning. I'm I'm glad that he's done it, and I would I'm so glad to see the uh, um, former leadership of of. Twitter getting flushed and Mr. Musk basically locking down the code so that he can discern what actually was going on. Mm. And I guarantee there are going to be uh, lawsuits going on um, over all of this. And uh, he's, you know, I, I'm a little perplexed. Why would he want to really know what was going on under the skirts here? Because once he knows that he's going to have to disclose it under, uh, under various legal filings that are pending. Um, but let's, let's just, uh, kind of keep our powder dry here and, and, uh, watch and wait to see how this plays out because it is way more complicated than free speech. Now the issue of whether or not the doctors will be replatformed because almost all of us in the medical freedom movement have been removed. And you mentioned Peter McCullough, my friend and colleague, uh, who's also been deplatformed recently. Uh, um, wait and see what happens there. And certainly if uh, there was a, a outreach by uh, Twitter, uh, the new Twitter, to uh, um, bring the, the doctors back in, uh, it would be warmly embraced. Uh, you know, the ability to communicate with a broader audience would be uh, most welcome and and just participate in a free and open dialogue we've never i 've never taken the position that you should only uh, you know think the way I think or do what I say or any of that. My position has been that uh, what the world needs now is uh um love yes but also uh open transparency and dialogue so that we can solve our problems together solutions don't derive from a unilateral uh approach to everything in which there's a diktat from uh a group of of utilitarian globalists that um believe in command economies i mean uh, how many times do we have to learn this lesson uh so uh i'm I'm. I would uh, warmly embrace an opportunity, but I really don't want to be on uh, a, a Twitter that is a sewer of bots and antagonism and ugliness, uh, which is why I stay off of Telegram.
1: Well, I think uh, Musk's Neuralink project—that's certainly what really frightens me. Um, but you—you you mentioned. Dr. Peter McCulloch, and obviously, he in the last few days has had his medical credentials removed uh, from one of the uh, one of the medical boards. And I guess up to now we've talked about the ability to transfer information, but you're right to pass on that information is your accreditations, is the study, is the work you have done, and those certificates which you're awarded in recognition of your achievements uh, in the medical field or others in other fields. So what's happened with Peter McCulloch? That, again, to me, that ramps it up, that it's not just the means to transmit information, but it is the right for an individual to be allowed to put that information forward i didn't even know a medical body could remove accreditation you've studied you've got your certificates your awards your exams uh, and you've you've achieved that that's uh, in once a uh, point in time you have got to that level and yet that can now be removed and i thought that was extremely peculiar
0: yeah, it's just. I think you make a good metaphor, and it's a point that I haven't thought about before. So thank you for bringing it up. It's akin to you've graduated from university and you have your diploma, and then they're going to revoke your diploma mm. because you're saying things they don't like. Um, uh, and that is absolutely an appropriate metaphor, Peter. Thank you for raising it. Uh, this is this is retaliation by a clique. Mm. uh that is managing the board and it's a defrocking of peter uh it's it's an obscenity as far as i'm concerned uh and um but it's also fascinating that it has occurred now as we're on the eve of a what is likely to be a wave election in which it is likely that there will be major hearings following that election and Uh, What this does is compromises, uh, in particular, Peter's utility to serve as a uh, bona fide expert in those anticipated upcoming hearings where he has been very uh, clear spoken and vocal uh, in, for instance, the various hearings that Senator Johnson has convened as a, a minority subcommittee investigation subcommittee chair in the Senate. Uh, which unfortunately the minority position means that he cannot subpoena anyone and he functionally doesn't have any power. Uh, But um, Peter has been effective in that environment. Peter is uh, in a very complex landscape now. He has long been affiliated with a social media guru that manages his accounts who... um, Let's say doesn't have the same ethical, in my opinion, the same ethical boundaries that he does, uh, and so uh, um, that's part that's been part of the shadow accounts on Telegram, et cetera, uh, and that's a more complicated story. Peter, lately, I you know I know him well. I really respect everything he's done. He has uh, been a brave leader in this, uh, but. Uh, he seems to have lately. Uh, all of us have just been subjected to so many, so much buffeting mm. by yeah. uh, the attacks, and on top of that, he's lost multiple parents now over the last couple of months. Mm. Uh, he and his wife. Um, he's been managing sick uh, parents uh, that. Are actually in his house, he's basically had to set up an ICU in his home. They've come down from across the Northern border in, uh, um, uh, communist Canada and, uh, um, you know, Trudeau's, uh, weft paradise. Uh, and, um, so he's just been under enormous pressure and, uh, and my sense is that, you know, sometimes when people are put under really intense psychological pressure, they fall back on more primitive behavior patterns. And he seems to have been falling back on kind of academic competitiveness, kind of his old life a little bit. And I don't want to say anything more, uh, but uh, I, I, I empathize uh, with his position. Um, it, it's an absolute travesty and should not be legal, uh, this defrocking. Um, it is clearly for political purposes. It is highly damaging uh, to him professionally and to the medical freedom movement. And uh, I, I hope that his various court cases prevail. But unfortunately, in the United States, and I think also in the UK, these court cases, you know, the damage is done yeah. um, uh, in and then it's you know on a good day it's a couple of years before you get any uh, restitution or anything, um, so it, it's a it's a hard position he's in. He has a lot of friends, a lot of supporters. He's raised a lot of money uh, to support his cause. Uh, um, so uh, we'll we'll just see how that plays out. He's he has always held himself apart. Um, from most of the doctors that, that I interact with this kind of, uh, physicians health Alliance, global COVID summit, international Alliance of physicians and medical scientists. He's, he's always kind of been a bit of a loner. Um, and I I think that that's unfortunate because it's times like this that you really need friends.
1: Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um. You touched on the midterms coming up, and this will go out just a few days before uh, the midterms. And my assessment has been that uh, it took quite a while for the Republican Party to wake up to what was happening. And it was a lot of individuals. <laughs> but that seems to be coming together. Um, I, I,
0: I, you know, from your lips to God's ears, I'm not as, <laughs> as uh, sanguine as you are. Uh, <laughs> A lot of a lot of the GOP in the United States, that's the slang. I know we're speaking to UK audience. So uh just like you guys, I still can't figure out who the Tories are. Um <laughs> they're the
1: socialists now. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: uh yeah, and the conservatives are the globalists. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, it's all a uh Political language is so damaged now. In any case, so GOP uh, or good old party is is an acronym for the Republicans, uh, and um, uh, I a very large fraction of the Republican Party are also globalists and are very aligned with the WeF. Uh, so this hence the term that uh, sometimes Mr. Bannon is given credit for the uniparty yep. uh, in which we, and I think to some extent this exists in the UK also where both sides are largely co-opted by large corporate interests, et cetera, yep. using the same kind of nefarious strategies. Um, they just don't seem to have any respect for um, democracy or, or for that matter, for ethics. Hmm. Um, but uh So the only way that this election is really going to have any impact at all is if it's quite a wave Um, and that, uh, for instance, in the Senate, uh, if the GOP does take uh, power or the Republicans, um, they're going to face people like Lisa Murkowski from uh, Alaska who are basically, um, I don't know, bipolar. They're, They're uniparty. Uh, Mitch McConnell is uniparty. Um, yeah. So the only way that, that um, a conservative agenda kind of resisting the um, initiatives that are ongoing, including this warmongering uh, is, is going to really be resisted is if it's more than a 51 49 split in uh, and with each additional Senator that falls on the R side, then it becomes more resistant to the enticements and, and et cetera, that, that they're all subjected to. Uh, so, um, that Kevin, Mac- it was a huge step forward that Kevin McCarthy, the presumed leader of the new house, uh, has said that he will have investigations about the Corona crisis up until that statement, uh, The general thesis was that there weren't going to be any investigations. Uh, There's no appetite for it. And if there were any, it would be hopefully uh, Mr. Rand Paul and uh, Mr. Ron Johnson heading those uh, with their separate committees that they would then be chairs of. Uh, But there's very little appetite for this. And there's a whole lot of machinations going on. I know this is inside baseball, but uh, whether... Um, there will be a uh, continuing resolution to the budget as we carry forward, or whether the lame duck uh, Congress will pass a large budget that will then lock things in uh, for the new Congress for up to two years is being discussed. And so there's a lot of, as, as you would expect, and, and as I know happens in the UK, a lot of political machinations. And let's just, again, like I said with Mr. Musk, Let's keep our powder dry and and watch what plays out while the big boys uh fight there's this uh i'm told there's a saying in africa that when the ele- elephants fight the mice hide in the grass and i think right now it's a good time to be uh seeking uh shelter a little bit uh and and preparing for the worst while hoping for the best
1: no absolutely here here in the uk We have had talk about some committees. We've had talk about some investigations. Uh, We had a, a, there was a committee the other week looking at adverse reactions uh, to the vaccines. And there was two or three MPs that were concerned. No one else seemed to have a, a, one iota of concern and that just carried out going through the motion so here in the uk even though there is some talk about we need to hold maybe some people to account there's no appetite for it is yeah. is it the same in the U. I i mean there must be some well there's anger here as there is there but that doesn't seem to translate into actual action against well, those there, who have been involved
0: there's a lot of people calling for tony fauci's scalp right now Uh, to use a a Native American metaphor. Uh, So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Um, There's a good chance that Mr. Fauci has uh, formal uh, ties with the intelligence community, which is often used as a get-out-of-jail card, such as happened with Mr. Epstein. Uh, And um, so uh, um, there absolutely is... Uh, a segment of society, maybe 30% that really wants to see something done here. Mm -hmm. But then on the opposite side, there was this recent article in the Atlantic monthly, um, basically uh, advocating for uh, some sort of uh, truth and reconciliation committee. I, it's not the first time I've heard this floated, uh, akin to what happened, uh, with apartheid in South Africa, um, which will just, uh, whitewash things you just like, you know, I'm, I cannot forget that uh, when Mr. Obama came into office and I was one who was caught up in all of the enthusiasm, let's say for Mr. Obama, um, uh, uh, let's say irrational enthusiasm. We would now say in retrospect, um, uh, but uh but he gave Mr. Cheney and those that have advocated for and managed the, um, torture, I mean, mm-hmm. torture, torture of, uh, people, um, in, in Iran, I mean, sorry, in Iraq and, uh, Abu Ghraib, et cetera, people should have been held accountable for that. Uh, those are clear violations of international law and, uh, yet nothing. Although I, I think Mr. Cheney's, uh, Foreign travel plans have been constrained a bit since then, Uh, but uh, you know that's a that's that seems to be the only price he's paid. Uh, I fear another. You know, this is how DC works uh, in um, here in the imperial capital of the Western world. Uh, um, You know, it's all about power and money, and and I love the saying that if you want a friend in DC, get a dog because it's kind of the way the town is people ask me, Oh, Robert, you should run for this office or that office, or you should do. And I'm like, Hey guys, I've spent (laughs) enough time dealing with DC that I have no appetite for that. Um, uh, Bannon put me on the spot at CPAC in Dallas. uh, And he said, uh, um, you know, he made some statement. Are you interested in running for office? Are you going to run for office or something? And I was like, "Eh, no, Steve, sorry. Um, And then, uh, And then because there's a big crowd behind me, I mean, just all this social pressure and everything. And, and then he says, would you serve in the next Trump administration? And I was kind of caught flat footed. Um, and I and I said, I would be glad to serve in uh, a, a future pe- presidential administration, Mr. Trump or whomever else wins. I mean, I think you have to say, yes, I would serve my country yeah. if I was yeah. called by the president. Um, that's not political aspirations. That's... Um, that's a, a willingness to serve your country. And, and, I, and I would do that. It would be a sacrifice. I wouldn't like it very much. Uh, and, I, and I really hate, I just loathe D.C., um, but it's a necessary evil uh, in the current world. Uh, um, but that's, that's why I'm an hour and a half south of D.C. <laughs> in rural Virginia. That is, uh, I know you've traveled to Culpeper, so you know, you know about yep. the area that I'm in. It's a beautiful area sparsely populated in my county it's the same population as in world war ii um and uh i i just have no interest in in um in being in that world but uh, you know the 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 ethics there are very machiavellian Mm. uh um it's it's a, a hybrid between machiavelli and sun tzu uh and um it's just it's not the road to happiness as far as I'm concerned,
1: no my favorite sight scene in d c is checking in with Bannon and seeing him, so that that's my favorite part of a capital tour <laughs> he's he is
0: uh I'm not even sure if he's broadcasting from that location anymore because he is i
1: I, I was there I was there four times in the last two weeks, so oh, okay. up with him, yeah he's okay, there okay,
0: so there. yeah, because there's been all the swatting, I know um. He he kind of uh, uh, went below the radar a little bit. Um, I don't know where he went—Virginia Beach or something.
1: Hmm. No, he's he's still there. So, um, can I just to finish off with? You did. A, I saw a short interview on Rebel News and. I I love rebel news and the great work that Ezra does on. I got to know Ezra uh, well over the last few years. And the title was, it's a curious title, and maybe you can just end on this, although we could do a whole program, but we'll not. We'll just end on it. The title was CIA is using psychological warfare against the health freedom movement. And I think that's probably what a lot of people have kind of thought, that seems to be what's happening with the attacks on so many levels uh with the the misinformation coming in uh that seems to be but do you want to just kind of as we finish to touch on that the c i a using psychological yeah. warfare a couple of
0: a couple of caveats with that interview and his editing of that interview that occurred <laughs> that occurred at the uh um c h d event in Knoxville that I was just mentioning like last week hmm. uh It was a more extended, uh, extemporaneous uh, one-on-one with a Zoom recorder and a microphone and a camera. So uh, he did a great job with the editing. However, there's a cut in there in which it makes it sound like the Chinese dissident, um, I think her Li Ying-min, um, is the one I was ascribing to uh, having some uh, nefarious activity um, uh, regarding the medical freedom movement. And that was false. That was a miscut on the part of those editors. Uh, the other, uh, so I just want to get that out. The use of the term CIA in this context is misleading. It's very catchy and everybody understands what it means, but it's really being used more as a euphemism for the, uh, let's say the security state and its many branches in the United States. Uh, Number one, uh, our intelligence community is deeply embedded within the Five Eyes Alliance. So that yeah. feeds straight into MI5 and MI6. And there's strong evidence that British intelligence has been cooperating with media and very, very active on Wikipedia. This is the Philip Cross character that seems to be a sock puppet for British intelligence. And there's this reciprocal relationship, particularly between British intelligence, I think to some extent German Um, and perhaps Australian, and the United States intelligence community, particularly the CIA, this is the Five Eyes Alliance. Mm. And uh, so the rules of the road, the rules of engagement are that the CIA technically isn't supposed to be engaging in propaganda or other activities in domestic U.S., uh, and just as MI-56 isn't supposed to be uh, manipulating your minds over there in the U.K. Uh, And so uh, they've worked out a very neat arrangement where The CIA does it to you and uh, UK does it to us. Thank you very much. Um, So uh, I just wanted to kind of, and then in the United States, we do have the department of Homeland security, which has basically become our domestic uh, um, uh, intelligence community focused on uh, the United States citizenry. And, uh, Secretary Mayorkas is the one that has uh, defined that uh, the spreading of mis, dis and malinformation, those key three terms, uh, constitutes domestic terrorism. There is a move afoot to impeach him should there be a major turnover in uh, c- Congress. And it would require a major one in the Senate, I think. Uh, but uh, there we there We are, there are three groups investigating um, a couple of different individuals and their organizations. And I'm not going to name names here on this broadcast, but you can find, um, for instance, the Themis report, Uh, you can search that and you can find it in our Substack and also in the Getter feed, Um, was prepared by a group that has now uh, put out a is in the middle of a further revision of that analysis. And these are folks that have a fair degree of sophistication in understanding the various nefarious ways that the internet gets manipulated for information purposes, including the use of bots, Uh, our our friend uh, Telegram that we were just mentioning. Um, uh, um, And, you know, Telegram is for information movements akin to TikTok for social media now. Uh, it's where it's kind of the dark side where things brew and then if, and then may or may not emerge. You know, we we talked about 4chan in the past and these kind of things, but um, uh, so so the there are absolutely individuals that have been identified. One of them uh uh has a long history of disruption and advocating violence and was brought to the attention of Children's Health Defense because of, uh, advocacy that people bring guns to children's health defense protests, um, uh, that, uh, claimed that she brought the, uh, proud boys. This is attributed as a neo-Nazi group in the United States it's, as violence tendencies um, to the uh, Lincoln Memorial, uh, stop the mandate protest in DC in January, I think it was, uh, um, and, uh, has a long history of of disruption and and seems to use a strategy of ingratiating herself with uh, various uh, leaders by exploiting whatever their weaknesses might be. Um, And there is some evidence that this person has ties directly to an employee of a, a federal contractor that's based in Uh, Florida also has offices in the Beltway area Mm. that uh, was founded by a couple of ex-FBI agents that has major contracts with, uh, wait for it, Department of Homeland Security and uh, many of the other subsidiary smalls that we now know based on the lawsuit from the two attorneys general, uh, including Jeff Landry against uh, tech and the U.S. government. We now know that there are many, many agencies that have been actively uh, engaging in propaganda censorship and these other more nefarious activities. So this individual seems to have ties. And unfortunately, this is the individual that has ingratiated herself with Mr. McCullough, Dr. McCullough. So that kind of closes the loop on that. But there's, there's very strong evidence of uh, coordinated efforts globally to disrupt the medical freedom movement Mm. using these kinds of strategies. And I think that, that what, um, we all need to know is be aware, uh, you know, when you hear people advocating violence in protests, recognize that that may be a false flag. Um, they may be agents provocateurs and you should disregard them. Gandhi, uh, is our guide here, a peaceful protest, if it, as Matthias Desmond teaches, if they're, if they see any evidence of, uh, the resistance, let's call it, um, employing, uh, violent tactics, they will come down like a ton of bricks and they will do anything to provoke that you'll recall in the case of the truckers protest, which is a seminal event in Canada. Um, uh, uh, the uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau actively tried to uh, develop a, a narrative that uh, the truckers were uh, right-wing, Nazi, violent, uh, et cetera, et cetera, all the euphemisms. Um, when in fact, they were there with their children, you know, dancing in the streets and singing, and and their their most violent act was honking their horns. Uh, so. Um, uh, there, there, this is, this is a, a strategy that has been successfully deployed repeatedly, and, and I think that that's the, the takeout message here is be aware, and when you see people that are behaving in ways, in, in particular people that are throwing around the little grenade, yeah. that's so often, we had a term in the Vietnam War here in the United States, fragging which is the assassination of commanding officer uh, typically by grenade by um, enlisted troops that didn't want to do, you know, didn't want to go get shot by the Viet Cong, I guess, Um, but, or, you know, hit with punji stakes, but uh, I'm fragging. So these people that throw these terms controlled opposition Mm. um, uh, as an accusation uh, often are, are either projecting or, are, are acting in nefarious ways and when you see those kinds of words and that kind of language that's designed to divide you should immediately in my opinion uh question the source
1: yeah no absolutely um dr malone on that i will finish i appreciate your time as always uh, i know you have great demands on your schedule so thank you so much for joining us and sharing your thoughts once again
0: thank you peter and thanks for a chance to chat with uh um your audience and with the uk i'm i'm really you know before oh, i could just say something yeah before all this happened which was the start of our discussion here uh back in the day um and oh i gotta put in a plug the book uh the lies my government told me and the better times ahead are is just finishing final edits now and hopefully okay. we'll be out soon and um and I talk about uh, the way things were before all this happened in the opening chapters. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, we, getting, getting back to it, it we, we have uh, all been on a journey together here. Uh, and, and we've learned so many things. And before this all happened, I really wanted to build a more international uh, connection, and um, I'm, I'm fully committed, not in a globalist sense, but in a multicultural sense. I, I love interacting with people from different walks of life and different cultures. And I just thank you for the opportunity to be part of your community and, hope, and to learn from them. And hopefully I can share some things that are useful for them, too.
1: No, absolutely. And can I just repeat that? Lies my government told me and the better future coming. Published by Children's Health Defence. That is coming. Hopefully, is that coming out by Christmas? Can we have it as a Christmas read? That's my understanding. We had hoped to get it out before the election, but not so much. But uh,
0: it looks like we may have final edits uh, by Friday. Um, It's been read by a bunch of people. So I'm very grateful uh, for that. And and the people at Skyhorse Publishing who put out Bobby's book, uh, have just done yeoman's work here. Um, and uh, it's, it's going to be a bit of a tome. Uh, it's over 400 pages. So, uh, but it's, each chapter can be read independently. And, and uh, so the electronic version should be out in a few weeks, I hope. And uh, the print version, uh, I'm told by Tony, uh, will be available for delivery prior to the Christmas uh, season.
1: Okay, I look forward to that coming out, not only to get a copy, but also uh, to do our little part in promoting it and encouraging others to get hold of a copy themselves. So look forward to that. Um, Dr. Malone, thank you once again for your time today.
0: Thank you again, Peter.
1: And let me just finish off for the viewers. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening. If you're listening on podcast, pod, being any of the podcasting apps, uh, thank you. This is a pre-record two days before. Uh, so you'll get it as a download, as an audio. Uh, and make sure and follow Rob Malone on his Substack. It's on getter. It's at rwmalonemd. And for Substack, it's .substack.com on the end of that. So make sure and make use of that. Sign up to those emails and you'll even get the Friday Funnies, which I do enjoy immensely. I'll give you a pre-read. Um, this one is, I think, if Jill agrees, going
0: to be a little bit dedicated to your own Bob Moran.
1: Ah. Uh, Bob Moran is a hero. Absolutely love him. He's doing great work here. One of the only uh, voice of reason using the medium of art to tell a story. Fantastic guy. So, well, if people sign up, they will get that on Friday. So that's a good incentive to go uh, to the Substack and sign up. And on that, I'll say good night to our viewers, or listeners. Thank you for joining us. Um, I will see you on Saturday for News Review. So thank you and goodbye.
0: If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsavoke.org. Thank you for listening.